Again, it's so good to see all of you with us here today. This uh, weekend uh, has been such a, a great weekend for, for us, uh, for me personally, for our church. We had uh, nine baptisms yesterday uh, at around 12 o'clock or so, and nine people who have given their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ were just baptized yesterday, so we had a great day of celebration with them. Uh, and plus, this past week, there have been uh, a number of prayer requests that many of you had mentioned, at least to me, and these prayer requests were urgent things. It's not something that you have known about perhaps for a long time. It was an urgent request. And so we prayed and we saw God answer two wonderful prayers uh, in a wonderful way, both on Friday. Uh, so we give God thanks for all that he's done. We're so thankful that he hears us. He knows what we need before we ask of him. And he knows how to answer every need that we have. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God for it. All right, well, let's all turn to the letter to the Philippians, written by Paul. And while we're doing this, let me get into the habit of also saying this. Is anybody here with us for the very first time? Never been with us here before in the international service? Anyone's first time? No? Okay. All right, unless you're too... Embarrassed to raise your hand. I always wonder what people think I'm going to do if your hand gets raised. Are we going to call you up? Are we going to single you out? No, we just want to give you a clap and, and uh, welcome you to uh, church today. But anyway, let's get into our part two of the theme about giving and receiving. Last week, if you'll recall, we mentioned uh, we were looking at verses 10 to 20 altogether in chapter 4, but we split it into two parts. Because in the first part, Paul is speaking as a receiver of this wonderful gift that Philippi has sent to him. And remember, this is one of the reasons why Paul is sending a letter back to them to give them thanks for what they sent to him. Supplies and money and many other necessities that Paul had while in prison. And then the second half is what we're looking at today. While the first half, first half concentrates on the receiver, that's Paul, now he's going to concentrate on the giver of the gift, which was Philippi. And so let's turn to Philippians 4, and I'll begin reading today from verse 14 all the way to 20. And as you find that in your Bibles or in your iPads, please stand with me as we read together the Word of God. And as always, may God's Spirit touch our hearts by His words. Verse 14, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today we're looking at the second half. Paul is now speaking to the giver of this great gift that he has received. Today's sermon is titled, Christ Your Supply. And that's Paul's message. Last week it was, Christ my strength, Paul says. And now he's saying, Christ your supply. This whole experience with Philippi giving Paul gifts, whether he was in Thessalonica or in Athens perhaps, or if he's imprisoned in Rome, wherever he was, they're sending him these gifts. This was quite a unique experience between Philippi and Paul. Because as Paul mentioned in one of the verses, you're the only church, just you, Philippi, that have shared in this giving and receiving with me. You're the only ones that have shared with that. And so this is a very unique and, and wonderful experience Philippi has with Paul. And so today, let us consider Paul's heartfelt and spirit-inspired words toward the giver, Philippi, as he writes now about three elements involved in giving. When you give, three elements are involved in that giving. What are they? Paul's going to say that, number one, it's the love of giving, Number two, there is the law of giving. And number three, there is the Lord of giving. So let's begin with number one, the law, I'm sorry, the love of giving. We'll be looking at verses 14 to 16 for this section. So beginning with verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. They shared in Paul's distress. Of course they did. Because they are the church of Jesus Christ. Because sharing is what the body of Christ does. Sharing in distress. Sharing in rejoicing. The Bible teaches us by Paul that within the body of Christ, if one of us suffers... We all need to walk in that suffering with that person in order to encourage them, to build them up, and help carry them through their trial. On the other hand, as the body of Christ, if someone has a reason to rejoice, then let's all rejoice together. Why? Because we're all one body. When one suffers, we all suffer with them. When one rejoices, we all rejoice with them. That's what the body of Christ does. That's what the church is all about. This is what the love of Christ has done in every one of us. When we see someone in need, we may not be familiar with going through that struggle, but when we see a person in need, this is what the love of Christ does in us. We look at that person as though we are the ones suffering. And we help them as though it's us who are in need of that help. And the Bible teaches us that we are to give and to offer support just as you would want to receive support if it was you walking in that situation. And it's where the great word empathy comes from. Empathy is not just feeling bad for somebody's condition, but it's walking in their shoes, walking with them in order to carry them through. 
Not everybody can do that. But those who have been overcome by the love of Jesus Christ, it's what we learn. Because that's how Jesus treats others. And we are to do likewise. Paul says, you have shared with me. To share means they are in company with Paul. They're in fellowship with Paul. Now, of course, they're not in the prison with him, but spiritually speaking, they are of one fellowship, walking together in communion with each other. In fact, you could also say that they were all yoked together. You know, as you take two oxen to plow a field and they are yoked together from one neck to the other, and both of them plow together, and if one is weakened, the other one is strong enough to pick up the slack, and they go together. What God has done in us through love is He has yoked us together. And if we, walked in, if we walk together in that yoke, you'll be able to feel and sense when a brother or sister is weak. You'll be able to feel and sense when someone is going through a difficulty and you need to help carry them. Help bear the load that is upon their shoulders and go together. They shared in Paul's distress because that's what the body of Christ does. Amen. The Bible teaches us that when we love, love is a wonderful thing. Love is something that we should say to people. I, at least once a week, my wife will remind me that I need to say I love you a little more often than I do. And I'm always reminded of that. And I see her now and I say, Hira, Oh, how I love you. And I've learned to do that. It's important for wives and husbands and children to hear, I love you. But the Bible teaches it's more than that. It's not just what we say because anybody can say, I love you, and maybe they don't mean it. But real love is what you do for someone else. Real love is found when you are able to give yourself or, or give something, money, time, whatever it is, give of yourself to someone else in need. According to John, that is the definition of love. And so with that, giving grows out of loving. When you love, you give. And that's the formula. And God is our example with that. What does the Bible say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus so loves us that He gave His life for us. The Holy Spirit loves us so much that He gives us that outpouring of God's love into our hearts. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they love us with an immeasurable love. And in that love, they give into our lives. They are the example. In verse 15 and 16, Paul goes on to say, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning the giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. When Paul left Philippi after he was put in prison, do you remember that story? We talked about that and 
Then they released him. He spent some more time with the church, and then it was time to move on. So he left great men of God with Philippi to help the church grow and to oversee that growth. And Paul continued his missionary journey down through the area of Macedonia, eventually coming to cities like Thessalonica and Athens and things like that. And Paul says that when I left Macedonia and came to a new city, you found out where I was and you sent me more supplies. And you're the only church that has done that. Where was Galatia? Where was the church in Coloss? Where was the church in Ephesus when Paul was in need? We don't know. But only Philippi had this unique, close relationship with Paul in the area of giving and receiving. Now, it wasn't only love for Paul. That wasn't the only reason why they gave to Paul. It was because when Paul left, the beginning of the gospel means when he leaves Philippi, he's going to proclaim the gospel to other cities that he's never been to before. People that he's never met, cultures that he's never experienced. And Philippi knows our brother Paul is on a mission to proclaim and to preach the gospel to all mankind. They gave to Paul to support him, not because they only loved him, but they loved the untold multitudes of people that would hear the gospel and be saved just like they were when Paul preached it to them. The Philippians knew by personal experience that Jesus was able to save any man, any woman, any young person. They knew that. And so Philippi demonstrated the love of giving by supporting Paul, taking care of him, and honoring him, but also knowing that those gifts would lead to ministry. Just as you, church, Alpha Omega International, just as you have done. A couple of weeks ago, we brought it to your attention that we wanted to do something for the community of Kotalama. For those of you that may not know, it's a very poor area of our city. Many homeless are there. We usually have a ministry of going there on Thursday nights and teaching a Sunday school for the kids, but ever since the pandemic, we haven't, haven't been able uh, to do that. We're not allowed to do that. So Sister Tanya came up with a way to gather packages together of food and other necessities and a book, and we thought, well, if we could just get some money together, buy these packages, invite them to church downstairs in the parking lot four Sundays in a row, maybe 25 families at a time, we want to serve at least 100 families with a package gift. And so she asked me, may, may we ask our church about raising funds to do such a thing? And I said, absolutely. And as the call went out that we needed money for these packages that would cost 100,000 rupiah for each package, I even told Tanya, get ready, because I know what's going to happen. I know what you're going to do. If you know we need this much, you are going to give this much. <laughs> and you did. You gave abundantly above and beyond what was needed. And because of that extra gift that you gave out of love for people that you may never even meet, as a result, we were able to purchase 20 more packages in order to serve 120 families 
Praise God. And that's not all. I also want to let you know that that financial giving is only part of the ministry that needs to be done. There's another part that we need volunteers to help us on the four Sundays in March from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock in the morning down in the basement to help distribute these items to those who come. And there are some of you that have already volunteered for that, but we need more. So I'm announcing it to you today. We need more volunteers to help us distributing these packages to families. And if you're interested, you can just let Sister Tanya know. I don't know if I see her right now, but you can text her. Even through our group chat for church, you can text her and let her know. Why did you do that? Because the love of God is growing in your heart evermore. And out of love, you have given. Amen? It's the love of giving. Second of all, there is the law of giving. The law of giving. I think we find in Paul's words now, we can discover three laws concerning giving. The first law is the law of sowing. He says, not that I seek the gift itself. What I'm really seeking, what I'm really desiring to see is the fruit that abounds to your account. That's what I'm more interested, the fruit that is produced in you because of such great love and generosity in your heart. It's not the gift itself I seek, but the fruit of your love. The fruit that is produced by God in you. Yes, God pays close attention when you give to someone in need. And God works in you as a result to produce wonderful fruit. It's the law of sowing. Now in the Bible, it teaches this, but this is a very natural law that we all know of. If you plow a field and you take seed and you plant the seed, bury it, cultivate it, in time, fruit will be produced. You sow, you reap. Very simple law. And the Bible goes on to say that if you, if you sow a little, then you will reap a little. If you sow much, well then you will reap much. And now Paul applies that law of sowing to the giving that Philippi has demonstrated. Now, we shouldn't turn this into some sort of formula to get rich. This isn't about if you sow money, God's going to make a money tree grow in your life and you're just going to have all the money that you need. I've heard many people say that if you, if you sow $1,000 into my ministry, get ready because you're going to get it back tenfold. And what do we have? People who miss their mortgage payment and they didn't get a tree of money planted in their yard. We must be wise about this giving. But the truth is, when we plant, when we sow, God promises there will be a produce. And it's the Lord that produces it. It's the Lord that makes the fruit grow in your life. It may not come back as money, but it will come back in a way of God supplying what you need. That will be the blessing of your giving. God will return the blessing to you in whatever way you need it the most. So, 
If I sell money into a, a ministry or to help someone in need, it's possible God might return money to me if, I, if that's my need. If God knows that I'm in need of it, then that's what he may do. Or God's blessing upon me will be to bring me through a brand new trial of life. Why? Because when I walk through that trial, he will produce the fruit of patience in my life and the fruit of greater faith in my life, and of trusting in Him. God knows what you need, and He'll produce it in you. It may also be that if you are showing a heart of gratitude, a heart of devotion to God, and a heart of love to give towards someone else, if at the same time you're struggling with a sin in your life, or a temptation in your life that you just can't seem to overcome, you never know. When you give your heart out to someone else, all in the love of God, God may give you final victory over that sin and over those temptations. We have no idea what the fruit might be. The point is, the Lord is in charge of that fruit. And He will produce it in you. And it's not dependent upon the dollar amount that you or I may give. It all depends on the heart the heart that is stirred up in the love of God and is willing to give, willing to share. God says to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10, when there are poor among you, give to them. And when you give, don't allow your heart to be grieved. Don't do it in a way that you don't feel good inside. You're sad inside for doing it. Don't feel that way. Because God says, I promise, if you give, I will bless you. That's God's promise. If you give, God will bless. It's the law of sowing. Now, Paul certainly wanted to see Philippi grow in the likeness of Christ. Much more than he wanted to see them grow in material wealth. Because growing in Christ is the most important growth you can ever go through in life. Amen? He wanted to see fruit in them, and he did. We know the fruit of the Spirit, and you can probably list off the first three. They are love, joy, peace. And Philippi was demonstrating such fruit already. In fact, when you reread the letter to the Philippians, you'll find three great themes of Philippians. Love, joy, and peace because they were flourishing in this fruit. And the more they gave, the more fruit was growing in their life. And that's what Paul cared about the most. And Paul was able to partake of that fruit, partake of that joy and that love that came from them. Paul partook of that fruit, and so he says, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. That's the law of sowing. And then this verse reveals to us the law of sacrifice. He calls this gift a sweet-smelling aroma, and he says that it's an acceptable sacrifice. The law of sacrifice. It immediately, these words bring us to the Old Testament, sweet-smelling aroma, 
and acceptable to God. We're brought back to the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus, which opens up about the law of sacrifice. And God said, when you come to me and you want to worship me and give out of your own heart, out of your own free will, you just want to come and worship and you might come with a burnt offering, you might come with a grain offering or a peace offering, it might come from goats and lambs and birds or maybe some fine flour that you mix with your own two hands. But whatever gift you bring to me, let it reflect simply your worship of me. And when the people of God brought these offerings to the Lord and placed it on the altar and the priest burned it with fire and the smoke went up, God says in the first three chapters of Leviticus at least seven times, it is a sweet aroma to me and it's acceptable to me doesn't mean God smelled the barbecue and liked the smell of it it meant that God was satisfied and God accepted that sacrifice do you know why it wasn't necessarily because of the hands that prepared it it wasn't necessarily because it was a goat or a lamb or a bird or a flower it was because every sacrifice that God commanded in the Old Testament, all of them were a picture of Jesus Christ. And so as that worshiper came to God through the sacrifice, they may not have known all the mystery about it, but when God saw it, it reminded him of his only begotten son who will one day come into the world as the Lamb of God to give his life for all. And in Jesus, God is well pleased that was an acceptable sacrifice that was a sacrifice that was a sweet aroma to god the father it was a sacrifice above all sacrifices the sacrifice that saved us and so when that offering was brought in that law of sacrifice god accepted it and it was a sweet aroma according to him because in it he saw his son jesus now, the Philippians' lives have been changed because of Jesus. And they sought to honor their Lord. The Philippians were growing in Christ-likeness, growing in love, growing in generosity, growing in compassion. And when they sent their gift to Paul, God could see his son in that gift. He saw lives that had been changed by Jesus Hearts that had been changed by Christ. And out of that heart of love and gratitude and sharing with one another, they sent the gift. God wasn't happy because of how much it was or how much sacrifice went into it. He knew it came from a heart that was changed by his son, Jesus Christ. And when God saw that offering, he saw his son. And Paul knew that. And Paul says, Philippians, what God sees in this is a sweet aroma and he has accepted it because it's all about his son and then there is the law of the spirit the law of sowing the law of sacrifice and the law of the spirit it says that all of this gift is well pleasing to God God was so well pleased with the Philippian church well pleased with this gift they sent to Paul because their offering was not sent because somebody ordered them to do it. 
Nobody commanded them to do it. They weren't forced or put under obligation to do it. This offering came simply from a heart that was changed and a heart that was stirred up by the Spirit of God. Do you remember from last week they were praying for Paul and then the Holy Spirit began to stir up their heart to turn that prayer into an offering to send to Paul? Oh, the Holy Spirit was always at work in Philippi. And they were not walking by written rules and regulations and laws because it was written upon their heart by the Spirit of God. They lived by a new law, and that was walking in the Spirit, submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And out of that relationship, out of that leading, they sent the gift. It was the law of the Spirit. And when they sent it, they sent it cheerfully. And God says, I love a cheerful giver. I love it when someone gives, and they don't do it regretting it, They don't do it because someone made them do it or they'll they'll feel guilty if they don't. No. I think God would say, keep your offering. Instead, he says, give it with cheerfulness. Give it with joy because it's all for the Lord. Amen. Number three, we look at the Lord of giving. The Lord of giving. One morning, There was a mom who wanted to make lunch for her little son. As always, he was going to go outside and spend some time with his friends, run through the fields and by the lake and things like that. And so she always knew when he's out there playing, out there in the heat, he always needs a a packed lunch. So in that morning, she prepared for her son five loaves of bread and two little sardine fish. Put it in a little package and gave it to him and said, now son, when you go out, when you're hungry... Make sure you eat something. Yes, mom, and the boy went out. And while he was out that day, he saw Jesus and the disciples, and over here was a sea of people. No one can number it. The Bible says there were 5,000 men, but that didn't include women and children. There may have been 20 to 25,000 people there listening to Jesus preach. And then Jesus knew they were all hungry. They had been with him for quite some time. And so Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, they're hungry. Let's give them something to eat. And the disciples thought, what? Do we even have money to do that? Do we even have anything? Look at all the people. There's no way we can feed all of them. And that little boy heard Jesus say that. And he looked at his lunch, as small as it was, just enough for him and maybe a friend. And then he looked at Jesus, and I, I seem to believe that Jesus also looked at the boy, almost with a look that said, what do you think? And the little boy looked at that lunch, and he simply transferred it from his hands into the Lord's hands. And then that boy watched as Jesus blessed that food. He distributed it among his disciples, and the disciples, and probably many others, wound up feeding the entire multitude of people, all from that little boy's lunch. And the Bible says that everybody ate until they were filled. And there was so much food, there was left over. Twelve basket filled with bread that they gathered from all the leftovers. There was so much in abundance that Jesus had sent out. 
But everybody had something to eat, including the little boy that gave his lunch away. That little boy didn't starve that day. They all ate, including him, and they were all filled by the end of it. Can you imagine that boy going home after this? Mom, I'm home. Oh, son, how was your day? Oh, it was, it was amazing, Mom. Yeah? Did you eat? Oh, yeah, I ate. Was it enough? Oh, yeah, it was enough. Were you able to share it with anybody else? Oh, yeah. Well, are there any leftovers? Mom, yeah. He opened the door, and here comes 12 men carrying big baskets, 12 of them all together, and they all set them on the kitchen table. Imagine what mom thought at that moment. That's what happens when someone gives their little gift into the hands of the Lord of giving. Paul, as he's writing this letter to Philippi, he's thinking to himself about what to write. And as he's thinking, he takes a glance at the offering, the package they sent to him. And looking at it, he begins to calculate the cost and the sacrifice And he knows that this indeed was a sacrifice. Some of the people that he knew from Philippi, this is more than they could afford. And yet they gave it anyway. So with that in mind, Paul speaks a great verse. He says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let's split that up a little bit for a moment. First he says, and my God. Yes, he's all their God, but now he says, my God. Why? Because Paul knows from personal experience, from walking with the Lord, just between God and Paul. Paul knew him, not just God of all, but he's my God. Just as the Bible wants us to know the shepherd, not as the shepherd or a shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. We all have a unique experience with the Lord. And Paul had that. And Paul knew of all the provisions he received from his God. And so he says, listen, my God, with all that I've seen him do for me, my God, he is able to supply for you just as he has done for me. All that he has done, he is able to do. All the help that he has given to me, he's able to help you too. My God shall supply all your need. How much of it? All your need. Now, remember, he doesn't say, my God shall supply all that you want. He didn't say that. He said, all that you need. I only want to share this story I've never shared it with anybody, but I only want to share it because it's it's great glory to God. Uh, About five years ago, my wife and I were uh, made aware of a family that was in need, financial need. And so when we could, in other ways that we could, and there were many others that were able to help us with this too, we just gave money one week to the next, whatever they need, food, any kind of payments they needed, we just wanted to give money. And I remember at the same time, about five years ago, we had already been here for five years, and I knew that my kids had never visited America ever since we came here. Never saw the the cousins and the uncles and aunts, and 
So we wanted to be able to save up for my wife and I and our kids finally to go to America and visit all those loved ones that have been dying to see us and to embrace us again. And so on that particular year, we were trying to save up, which it's quite a cost to fly six people to America. So it takes time to save. Well, in that year, we're trying to save money for a trip like that. But when we found out someone was in need, we weren't trying to balance the two things. We just thought, no, we need to help. We didn't consider, well, wait a minute, if we do this, we may not have money for this. That just didn't even cross our mind. The Lord put them upon our heart, and we gave. And then I found out that there was something specific that this family needed. And my wife and I both agreed we wanted to be able to purchase this thing and give it to them as a gift. Again, we're not thinking about, well, what's that going to mean for our America trip someday? We didn't think about that. We just knew God put it on our hearts and we wanted to do it. And so while we were getting ready and saving money for that specific thing, I was here at church one Sunday. Nobody knew that we were doing this. And after my sermon and saying goodbye to everybody, a gentleman, a family that's a part of our church, a gentleman came and he asked if he could speak to me in private. I said, sure. So we went in that back room in the corner. We sat down at the table and he picked up a black plastic bag and put it on the table and it went clunk. And with tears in his eyes, he said, my wife and I have been praying about it and we feel as though this is something that you need. I already knew what was in the bag. And he said, I just want to make sure, accept this. Not from me, not from my family. It's from the Lord. And I don't know if you're going through anything right now, but we just feel it's what you need. His crying led to my crying. And I said to him, my brother, I know it's in that bag already. And I told him about how we wanted to supply for somebody's need. And I said, that supply is in the bag. I know it. And I told them about how we've been saving to go to America. And we're, we've gotten this much, but there's still a gap of what we need. And I said, it's in the bag. I know it is. And so we hugged each other, prayed for each other, blessed each other, and we went our separate ways. We got home, and my wife and I went to the dinner table, and we opened up the plastic bag. And there is money to buy what that family needed. And the gap of what we needed to go to America was there. And so on that same year, we were able to take a trip to America and everything we needed was taken care of. Now, the only reason why I'm sharing that story, I'm not trying to hint to you that I like to receive monetary gifts. Amen? All right. I'm only saying that because we just wanted to do something for the Lord, something that would honor Him. And we gave, not expecting something in return that wasn't even a part of it. We just wanted to help. But God, who is gracious, God, who knows how to bless, and God knows how to meet our need, He met every need that we had that year and opened the way for us to visit our family. Let me bring this to an end here. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. Notice it doesn't say from his riches, but according to his riches. In other words, it's not like God has a certain amount of wealth to give to us. 
And the more he gives, it's depleting the resources. No, that would mean he gives from his riches. But the Bible says he gives according to his riches, and his riches are everlasting. They don't run dry. They're not depleted. He can give all things away, and he still has all things. When he gives into our lives, it is according to his riches. And they don't run dry. And they're able to meet our every need. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And what I love about those words, in my translation it says, by Christ Jesus. In your Bible, it might say, in Christ Jesus. But both are wonderfully, beautifully true. God supplies all our need first by Christ Jesus. Have you ever looked out at night on a clear night and you look at the universe and you are just dumbfounded, amazed at God's creation, how great he is and how beautiful and wise he is, how powerful he is. And then you look at the things of the earth. I mean, you look at us, our bodies. I mean, the very fact that I can stand right here and communicate to you and you understand me, that the Spirit of God is in us. I mean, this is amazing. The creation of God is mind-boggling. It's amazing to behold. Well, the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, that all the creation, all that God has made was by Christ Jesus. In other words, all that power and wisdom to call things into being that were not there, to make us into living beings, spiritual beings, all things were created by Christ Jesus. That is power. And when I think about that truth, I know there is nothing impossible for God. Nothing is impossible with Christ Jesus. He is able to do all things. And it is all in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, the verse, first seven verses of that chapter, Paul is explaining to us the immeasurable riches of God's love, His mercy, His kindness, and His grace. And they are immeasurable, without limit. If you ever tell somebody about God, if you ever witness to somebody about the Lord, your conversation should be filled with the love, the mercy, the grace, and the kindness of God. And when somebody hears of those things, there will be those who will say, yes, I need God's love. Yes, I want to experience His kindness. Oh, yes, I need mercy. Yes, I need the grace of God. What do I do? Where do I go? Where is it found? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, all of it is found, love, mercy, grace, and kindness in Christ Jesus. What do you need today? What are you in need of? It is by Christ that you are supplied, and it is in Christ alone that you are supplied. Christ, your supply. Amen.
Musicians, would you come? As we prepare our hearts, let me just share this last concluding verse. Paul, just thinking about the wonders of God and the beauty and the goodness and the supply and the, the strength of God, it just it leads him to look up and say, now to our God, not just my God, but now to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our God and Father, He is glorified by the offering that we give. Our giving has eternal consequences. Maybe the Philippians didn't know just how far that gift would go, but your giving, you never know what God may do with it and what will be changed in heaven because of it people that will be added to heaven because of it. So the next time you consider giving financial help to someone in need, always remember God's glory is always involved. What is there left to say but amen? Amen. 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 Let's all stand together.